Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, AKA Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Today, we have Susan Story. Susan is a certified health coach and her nickname is Wonder Woman. Susan, as a, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. It's great to be here. Thanks for yeah. inviting me. I'm, I'm excited about this. Fantastic. I'm happy that you're here. Hey, look, you know, one of the things that I found while Googling you uh, on the internet is that I saw you in what appeared to be a Wonder Woman costume. And I, I wondered, is she AKA Wonder Woman? <laughs> uh, I am i am so um a little bit of backstory on that back i think my son was in kindergarten when uh i just decided that i was going to make a wonder woman outfit for the halloween party at the school and when i put that thing on it was like it completely transformed me and nothing i had been dealing with was important anymore it was just about me being Wonder Woman and smiling and waving at people and laughing and taking pictures with people. And so I decided right then at that moment that I was going to keep doing it. Nice. And so over the years, my son's 25 now. So it's been a while that I've been doing it. And I've been in parades and birthday parties and I've gone to the airport and just held up a sign that said super friends, you know, back before yeah. all this other stuff prevented me from doing that yeah. but um anyway yeah it's it's just fun I get to to be actually it's like a, it's really me because when I'm in normal clothes like what I'm wearing now if I were to act the way that I do when I'm wearing Wonder Woman then men think I'm hitting on them when <laughs> so and, and that that's not my intention I'm just being friendly I understand. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I feel the same way about Possibility Man. There's a different persona with Possibility Man. Anyway, so you're a certified health coach, uh, Susan. Um, what does a health coach do? Well, I think it depends on, on their own individual focus. So mm -hmm. my focus is on emotions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are afraid of that. So I don't normally tell them that up front. Uh, I, I believe that most of our troubles that we deal with and in, in every aspect of our lives are based on the emotions that we have stuffed trying not to feel. And if we can address those things, then uh, the rest of it's just a whole lot easier. When you say you, you work with people on emotions, can you say a little more about that? What kinds of things have you personally witnessed in talking with people about their health and well-being? There are many books out available that talk about the specific emotions that cause specific physical illness. And so over the years, um, I, I guess another part that's kind of important is that in 2004, the cancer that I previously had spread throughout my entire body. And um, so it spread to my liver and my lymphatic system. And I was told that I probably wouldn't live another month. And I was determined to find a way to keep myself on the planet. And 
the foods that I ate, I, I was already eating clean. I had been a competitive bodybuilder since 95. And so nine years later, when this showed up, just exploded everywhere. Um, I, I knew that it wasn't just about my diet, um, but I didn't know what it was about. And so I found several books, found the Louise Hay, who, who's got several books out talking about the emotional aspect to illness. And then Carol Truman, which she wrote Feelings Buried Alive, Never Die. And then another book called Messages from the Body. Uh, that one came later. But anyway, going through those, the first thing I did with, with one of those books was I looked up lymphoma because that's what my brother had. And when I read it, it was like, oh my gosh, I, it, that totally fits with the way that we were treated by our dad, which it, it was, uh, he was never physically abusive, but nothing we did was good enough for him. And that's exactly what lymphoma is about, that, that nothing you do is ever good enough. And, and so understanding just that one aspect made me go deeper and look for other solutions as to, okay, well, why did this happen? And then looking up broken bones and all well, that's exactly what was going on when I broke my finger. And that's what was going on when I broke my foot. And, and so looking at that aspect of things and realizing that most people don't address the emotional aspects of anything, um, it, it got me into a, a different side of the health coaching world. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I follow you, uh, it seems as if you're suggesting that a dis-ease or, you know, something that's not going right in the body can be matched to an emotion. Is that what you're, what you're suggesting to us? That's exactly what I'm suggesting to you. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes it feels like I'm cheating when I, whether I'm at the beach or I don't, I don't go shopping anywhere anymore. So with, with all this other stuff, I'm pretty much at the beach or in the woods, but let's just say at the mall, right? Mm -hmm. You see somebody walking and they're using crutches and they've got a cast on their leg or they've got a boot on their leg, or they've got a brace around their knee. And because of all the issues that I've dealt with for myself and with my clients, a lot of those things pop up and just are automatically in my head. Like, okay, well, there's something wrong with their ankle. Well, they're, they, they're feeling guilt and inflexibility. Mm -hmm. And, and so it kind of feels like I'm, I know things I shouldn't know mm -hmm. when I just physically see somebody, I see their physical ailment and I, you know, I, I, I can tell what's going on with them yeah. because of that. And, um, but, but yeah, for sure. I absolutely believe that that's, that is the case. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I find this very interesting, fascinating, because what you're saying is that our emotions are really speaking to us. Our, emotion is, our emotions are communicating a message to us. It's a lot like, and I heard a doctor say this once, that our emotional self is like an immune system that alerts us to what's going on in our bodies or in our minds. And I think this is how, you, how you're using that. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, and you, you're right. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable. Well, I don't know. Let me change that. Some people are probably uncomfortable talking about emotions. But you're saying is that if a person, let's say, tend to be anxious all the time, they could manifest certain types of symptoms. Is that about right? Exactly right. So what kinds of, you know, and I don't want to put you on the spot with this, but let's use anxiety. 
what type of health symptoms have you seen manifest themselves as a result of chronic anxiety? So I, I just happen to have the feelings book right here because I almost always have it available. A friend was over yesterday and uh, has ended up with blood clots and had a stroke on Friday. Um, and, and you bring up anxiety, but that is exactly what he's got going on. He's got mm -hmm. chronic, inf chronic inflammation from the anxiety that he's dealing with. So the inflammation is a huge aspect of anxiety. This book says feels unable to call the shots in life, feels boxed, sorry, boxed in and feels helpless to affect a change. Mm -hmm. And when people feel helpless, oh my goodness, so many different things can happen with their bodies. They end up breaking bones, they end up straining muscles, but, but the biggest part with chronic anxiety, uh, well, you end up after the anxiety gets bad enough, then you're in chronic depression. Right. And so there's, there's aspects of both of those that make people feel like there's nothing that they can do about their situation. It's never going to get better. And what's the use in even trying? and their posture you you can tell somebody who's chronically depressed by their posture when they're just standing you know i mean you've seen people that are you know they they just they're looking at the floor they've got their shoulders slumped they don't make eye contact and and that's it's obvious to a lot of people but i i guess there's a lot of other people that just don't pay attention to that right but, yeah, that makes sense to me. That really makes sense because, you know, the body, let's say the body is a structure like a building. So your body functions in a certain way, but then one can add the weight of the world on the body where this body structure, this magnificent, you know, being can actually be crunched, can be shaken by it. I think that's what, I think that's what, at least that's what I'm hearing from you. Yes. And, and so when you were saying that the emotions are the, did you say they're the sign? So it's not actually the emotions that are the sign, but the emotions create the physical problems. And that's the part that we rec that is easier to recognize. Right. You know, I you know. know I was, so, I was, mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Susan. Go ahead. You, you, we all tend to stuff emotions. Mm -hmm. We don't want to deal with something when it happens or, or maybe like for me recently, um, there was a man at the beach that said something to me that was completely uncalled for. And um, he happened to be the third person to say it to me. And I lost it. The first two people, I stuffed the emotions. I didn't say anything to them. I let them be absolute horrible individuals. Mm -hmm. And um, just, just, they told me that I should die. Okay. Oh, wow. And, and so I've been working my butt off to keep myself alive for the last 18 years with a terminal diagnosis. And so for somebody to just out of the blue, somebody who doesn't take care of themselves at all, which, you know what I mean? You, I, I can tell by looking at this individual that he doesn't take care of himself. The other two people, the same thing. And so I just exploded on him and it, it finally completely just chilled everything out for me because I had stuffed those emotions two other times in the past. So my big thing was, no, I'm not going to stuff them anymore. 
why did I do that to begin with on the first two times? You know, it, it ended up causing me literal physical pain by not standing up for myself with the first two people. And then when he did it, it was almost like this huge relief. And now he's a friend. So I see him, I see him several times a week and, and it's fine. But at the same time, I held those in because I didn't, I didn't want to explode on anybody. But what happens when you do that is you explode on yourself on the inside. Mm. And so for me, it's, it's learning how to deal with my own stuff while not jeopardizing myself with with people who think differently than I do. Understood. You know, I'm a former teacher uh, in, in another life and, you know, deal with a lot of students and a lot of people talk about a lot of things over the course of my life. And there was one woman who became an adult who had been assaulted. And I don't want to be any more, any more specific than that. But her body literally, when she walked, was like she slouched walking. It's like she was not upright, you know, not muscular dystrophy, not muscular sclerosis, but she literally, and she, she attributed to, to the assault. But in listening to you then, it might not have been just assault, but how she thought about the assault might've been, what do you think? I mean, I, I know you don't see her, but her body literally changed as she grew older and she attributed it to the assault. So I, personally believe that whenever anything happens to us, we get to make the decision as to how we're going to respond to that situation. Mm. And so for me, the biggest assault that I dealt with or have dealt with, and hopefully it it is always the biggest assault I've ever had in my life. um, I was sexually assaulted by my dentist when I was seven. And I pushed that memory aside. And I hid it from myself, but there were aspects of my life that, that I never understood. Like, you know, why did I, why was I so excited about going to summer camp the following summer? And I cried the entire time I was there. I believed my brother was going to die. Like, why would I think my brother was going to die? Well, when the memory of the assault came back, the dentist told me my brother was going to die if I told on him. And so I think that for me, stuffing it for as long as I did turned me into Wonder Woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so I just noticed when I looked at my camera, but when you were talking, you can't see me, but my hands are on my hips right now. Okay. I'm standing here straight with my hands on my hips. And when you're standing in that position, it invokes power within you, whether I'm wearing the outfit or not. But, but you have a choice to either stand in your power, right? And, and I truly believe that what he did to me created who I am today, mm-hmm. right? Because, because I had a choice. I'm either going to slump and, and be scared and not want to talk to people and not make eye contact. And uh, okay, my whole point, I, I just realized I, I haven't explained the glasses. Uh-huh. I, these are blue light glasses. I wear them when I'm in front of the computer screen because I'm not wanting to damage my brain and my eyes any worse than I already did with the first 50 plus years of my life. Right. <laughs> so, so the glasses help with that. So I'm still not making eye contact, but if you look people in the eye, mm-hmm. you look exactly right in the eye, 
you can feel them. You can tell. You can tell. Are you lying to me? Are you not? Is that right? Are you let honest? Try, let me try that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's interesting. And and so so after having an assault, mm-hmm. it allows you to to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Am I going to stand in my power, or I'm going to? Am I going to let other people intimidate me, and 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 be smaller than I'm supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah. But but so she has the opportunity to change her mind and to stand up and to learn how to breathe, to breathe deep because she probably wasn't breathing deep either. Mm. Right. You know, people that are all bummed out and sad and and Mm. looking down, they can't breathe deep because their physiology won't allow it. Mm -hmm. So when you're standing up and straight and have your hands on your hips or Superman position or or whatever whatever you want to do to make you like when you look up at the sky with your hands in the air you can't be bummed out and sad yeah yeah i'm with you that's uh that's very interesting you know with all of the energy because we are energy after all in addition to the meat that we see anyway so let me ask you this now so as i was preparing for this i know that some health coaches who work on illness you know specifically they talk about uh, the concept of food as medicine. So as someone who works with emotions, uh, does nutrition and diet play a role uh, in your practice? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Diet is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And and people are willing to do different things, right? So whoever my client is, I have to find out what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do. If they're not willing to eat the diet that I eat, that's totally fine. But what are they willing to do? What are they willing to change? What is it? I, I, we have to know where a person's at and where it is that they want to go. Right. If you don't know, like I'm in Seattle, near Seattle, and I want to go to Richmond, Virginia, I'm going to have a very different plan than if I'm in Dallas trying to get to New York city. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know where you're at, and you don't know where you're going to go, then that's the first part that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So you have to know where you're at and you have to know to put in your GPS. Yes, I'm going from here to there. You don't put in there. Well, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. I don't No, You have to put in where you want to go. And so when I first start, I've got a questionnaire on my website that before I even have it, a first even 15 minute conference, consultation with somebody, I have them go to the website and fill out the questionnaire because I need to know what are their goals? You know, what, what are we even going to talk about? What are their goals? Where are they at now? What are they willing to do? Mm -hmm. And so knowing what their goals are. So I, I'm a Gerson therapy practitioner. Gerson is mainly a cancer thing where you're doing 13 juices a day and three vegan meals. uh, And then you're doing coffee enemas daily. That's something that I'm very skilled at and can help anybody learn how to do it by themselves. Not the way most people teach it where you have to have somebody help you. You know, I've been by myself for years. And so if I had to rely on somebody to help me, I wouldn't be here. And, and so Gerson therapy, the ketogenic diet, um, a raw, a completely raw diet. All of these things are things that I've done throughout the years 
Um, and then back to the keto thing, doing a completely vegan keto diet. That's not something that most people are going to be able to find online because nobody's willing to do it to find out how it works or how you make it work. Mm. But, but anyway, so I've got to find out where people are and where they want to go. And diet absolutely plays into it. You can't put, I am trying so hard not to swear because I swear a lot when I'm talking. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just say you've got a racehorse, Mm -hmm. right? And this million dollar racehorse, you're not going through the McDonald's drive-thru. Right. That's right. To feed the racehorse. We don't get another body. This is it. This is the only one we get. And yes, there's medical things that can replace certain parts, but we don't get another one. So we have to learn to treat it right and, and give it what it needs. Mm-hmm. So if we're putting clean food in and we're moving, doing whatever kind of exercise works for us, because again, if, if somebody say like me had a broken back and can't move certain ways because of the hardware they put in, there's some things that I can't have somebody doing, but there's always a workaround plan. Right. And, and so <clears throat> I guess that's my point is I got to know where they're at and where they want to go. Understood. And then we go from there. Yeah. Well, you kind of read my mind because it was curious about what you eat and you said, you know, that you juice and those kinds of things. But I want to probe that just, just today, if you don't mind sharing with us, I know it's about noon where you are on the West Coast. What have you consumed today? Just today. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Food wise, so I have a um, a daily cleansing tea that I drink in the morning. I mean, do you want to know my supplements too, or just the? Uh, well, just 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 uh, the, the herbal stuff for now, and uh, yeah. So. So just just food. I had two um, almond flour tortillas with an avocado on each one. I mean, half of an avocado on, on each one. And I heated them on a skillet with coconut oil. And that's all I've eaten today. Okay. All right. That sounds good. I, I, I'm glad we're friends because I'm going to ask you for a list of foods <laughs> that I can try. <laughs> um, so, uh, so let me ask you. So let me ask you this. Can you think if a person is highly motivated and willing to take action, are there things that are the things that people like me can do to change our health outcomes, like, you know, in a few months. Do you Absolutely. Think- okay. There are things that you can be a completely new person in 30 days. Wow. If you're willing to do it. Okay. That sounds, that sounds encouraging. Uh, we're talking with Susan Story, for those of you who want to reach out to her, and she can be found on the web. While I say that, would you mind if I put your email address in the description of this podcast, so people can email you if they want to talk with you about health coaching and, you know. Actually, remember what I said, I've got a survey on my website. So the website is better for that because that way they can can do the survey and then we get things started from the right place. What's the website's address? Uh, Well, I can get that from you later. I'm gonna type it because If we put in, if I just tell you, it's going to spell it wrong. And then okay. that's, I wasn't thinking about that when I made yeah. that. I'll get I the website it. address from you later. So uh, just, yeah, great. Thank you so much for that. 
Okay. So it's it's magical mermaid, and the magical has a K in it. Uh, okay, gotcha. Now, Susan, I know that you, and you've indicated that already, that you not only are a health coach, but you're someone who has benefited from the kinds of things that you share with other people because you have had your health challenges. Now, I want to give you an opportunity, Susan, to share as much of your personal health challenge as you care to and what you did about it. Would you be open to that? There, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've had so many health challenges. <laughs> so I would say that the, the one that is the scariest for most people would be when the cancer spread throughout my entire body. And I, I had no idea how I was going to pull off keeping myself alive. But at that point in time, my son was seven and without the whole story, he believed that if I died, it was because I chose to. He believed that I had a choice in the matter and that, that if I died, it was because he was not important enough for me to stick around for. And when I understood that, I knew that I had to find a way. And so I, I started with the nutritional stuff and then mainly the, the nutritional stuff was the biggest part. And then after that came the Louise Hay book that I think it's called, you can heal your body or heal your, heal your body, heal your life or something like that. Anyway, so started looking into that and doing the affirmations that she talked about and um, added in some mirror work. Do you know what mirror, mirror work no, is? No, I, I don't know what that is. Um, mirror work is when you're looking in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're smiling. Yeah. And you say, I love you, Susan. Oh, yeah. I so totally, completely love you. Okay, sure. There's things about us that we could change. But right now, I absolutely love you. And, and you learn to do that every single day until you believe it. Because when you first start doing it, you don't believe it. Anyway. Yeah, I like that. Actually, I've done mirror work before. So, <laughs> okay. And there's days that you cry. There's days that you're like, I'm not doing this. There's days. And, and the more, the more you do like, okay, one of the things I do with my clients, I shouldn't tell you because it scares people. So I don't usually tell them until we get into it. Um, but they have to commit to doing everything that I ask them to do. And I absolutely promise them that I will never ask them to do anything that I won't personally do myself. And so they have to videotape their mirror work and I give them a money back guarantee, but they have to do all homework. And uh, I, I have not had anybody do the work and ask for their money back. But I had to change that because there were people that were not willing to do the work and wanted their money back. I still gave it to them, but but there's got to be some accountability. And um, so the, the cancer was kind of horrible. It was awful. And um, there's a, a story that I wrote that was published in a book a few years ago that talks about this. And part of it was that I, I, had, I felt like if I overcame some of my fears that the cancer wouldn't be so scary. And, you know, one of the things about cancer is, is fear. 
And so what is it that I'm afraid of that's causing the cancer? And I couldn't come up with anything. I had no idea. And see, all this was before the memory came back of what the dentist had done. So I, I think that came, that was a huge part of it, but I, I still didn't remember that yet. And I also believe that all of the things that I've done to get myself well needed to happen before the memory came back, because I might've been exactly like the lady you just talked about, who's all sad and bummed out and depressed, but because I didn't remember it and got myself out of it, dug myself out of the, you know, five and a half foot into my six foot deep that I had dug my hole and climbed in. Um, it just, it, it has changed everything. So the cancer was still bad. I went to Mexico for cancer treatments and they, they do a lot of immunotherapy down there and detoxing and, and dense nutrients. And so getting all the nutrients in and, and then detoxing the stuff that needed to, to be gone from my body. And then the thing that they didn't teach down there was the emotions. And the more I went through all this, so I, I went for three weeks in January of uh, 2006. And then in the summertime, I went for another week. And then February of 07, I went for another week. And it's like, there's, there's something missing. And, and I didn't realize how important the emotional stuff was. I, you know, I did the affirmations like three days. I, I thought, you know, doing it three times, that would be enough but you put so much garbage in and stuff those emotions so deep. It it's like peeling all the layers of an onion off. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. And so, um, went through all those times in, in Mexico. And then somebody said, Hey, you know, I, I there's this job opportunity. Would, would you be interested in that? And at that point, I, I, I hadn't been able to stay awake for more than two or three hours at a time. And then I'd have to go to sleep again. And so I just, okay, well, yeah, I'll try it. And so I, I had the interview and I passed the interview and then I passed the background investigation and passed everything and uh, was offered the job. It was uh, working for 911 and talk about stress. Anyway, so I get this stressful job. And three days after I finished the academy, I broke my back in a skydiving accident. And so the whole reason that I went skydiving was not because I'm a thrill seeker and wanted to jump out of an airplane, but yet the biggest fears that I could come up with were that I was afraid of flying and I was afraid of heights. And, and so I, I made that decision to do that. The first time I jumped, everything was pretty much fine. I mean, there, nothing bad happened and uh, being up there and this area is my perspective, absolutely gorgeous. And so being able to see Mount Baker to the north and the Cascades to the east, and then we turned around and could see the Olympics and down south Mount Rainier. And I could see, you know, close to where I live, even though it was like 12 miles away, you'd see it so cool so cool. And I just knew at that point, I just have to enjoy this because I could be dead in less than 30 seconds. Mm. You know, if the parachute doesn't open and something goes wrong, we're just going to hit the ground and at least enjoy my last minute. Mm. And, and so it was two weeks later, three, 
three weeks later that I went back and had the accident. And um, so then trying to recover from breaking my back and having screws and rods installed in my back. And, and then when you look up L1, which is the vertebrae that busted, mm-hmm. it's, it's about um, not believing in yourself and that your finances are horrible. <laughs> and it was like, okay, that's, that's true. And um, so, so just everything that I've gone through over the years, I've looked it up in the, in the books from the past and, and realized, yeah, that's what was happening. Um, anyway, so that job lasted for almost six years. And I, after I broke my back in 07, I, I mean, I was afraid to go back. And then in 2011, the job got so stressful. I was having a hard time dealing with life in general and the cancer exploded again. I had it all over the place again. And I just decided, you know what? That last skydive, even though it ended up bad, um, it helped me emotionally in so many ways. And I went back to the airport and made another jump. And, and then a year later I made another jump. And then in 2013, I went back and got my skydiving license Mm. and I've got 40 jumps now. And it, it was just an amazing part of life. But at the same time, you know, when I'm talking about that, I'm not telling about the other parts, right? Mm. The part that every time I drive to the airport, I had diarrhea so bad, I didn't even think I was going to make it to the airport. Mm. And it wasn't that I, I mean, for me, yes, I was terrified. I was terrified to do it again. Because every time I'd get on the airplane, my thought was, I back to the, I don't want I don't want to hit the ground like I did in 07. Mm -hmm. And we got to focus on what we do want. And then I would remind myself, no. And then I would see myself having this perfect landing, like like how crows come in and swoop and then just gently land. And and so I I kept trying to make that my mantra is watching the crow fly. And that's how I was going to land. And and I I never had any other problems. Uh, So... Anyway, those are like the main details. What okay. else can I tell you about? Yeah, well, you know, I, was, I read your story and I found it fascinating that you were in the hospital, I think after you had your jump accident and you told your doctor something about cancer in your liver. And what did the, what did the doctor tell you about that? So I told everybody that came in my room, <laughs> you do not have permission to touch any cancer you find in my body. Mm-hmm. And... And so when the neurosurgeon came in, first of all, when he comes in and introduces himself and says, I'm a neurosurgeon, I was like, what happened to the orthopedic guy? Like, why are you here? (laughs) I just have a broken bone. He's like, no, you don't. (laughs) So it's it's a lot worse than, than we thought. So, so when I said that to him again, he says, well, where's the cancer? And I said, it's in my liver, it's in my lymphatic system, it's here on my butt, it's on my leg. And um, he said, I've got your CAT scan right here. And he showed me and he's pointing at my liver and he's like, there's nothing here. And I just started crying because it was like, okay, it's been a year and a half Mm -hmm. since I started going to Mexico, but it had been three and a half years since the doctor told me I was gonna die. Mm And, um, so it was just 
oh my gosh, if I can get rid of the cancer in my liver, which ask any medical doctor, they'll say that it's not possible. Yeah. They try to curb it. They try to slow the, the growth, whatever, but it's not curable. And so to get rid of it, I, I just, in that moment, even though I couldn't move, <laughs> I could move my toes and my head, but that was about it. I just cried and just kept saying, thank you, God, I can move my toes. Mm. I'm going to walk again. I'm going to beat this. If, if I can get cancer out of my liver, I'm going to walk again. Wow. That's powerful. Now, you know, Roger Bannister, as I said, I read your story, and Roger Bannister seemed to have real meaning for you. Instead of me trying to tell that story, can you, I mean, if I'm right, can you tell us about that? Why does he resonate with you? Is what he did, what he achieved. So I don't know what he was thinking or if he wasn't thinking about it at all, or if it was actually a goal of his, but back when I don't even remember when it was, but Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile. And before he did it, the world believed that it wasn't possible. And because everybody believed that it wasn't possible, nobody actually did it. And so I kept looking at, at him as the other people did after he made that accomplishment. Well, and, and, but at that time I was looking for, where's my Roger Bannister, you know, the, the hospital, the doctors in Mexico didn't have anybody with recurrent melanoma that was still alive for me to talk to. And so the, the hospital down there, if say that somebody called them and said, Hey, you know, this is what I got going on. Do you have any patients who you've treated that I can talk to? And they're like, yeah, let me have one call you. And here it's not like that because of the HIPAA laws and whatever. So, but they just flat out didn't have anybody. And then when I asked the oncologist at Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, they didn't have anybody either. So they might've had somebody in the middle of treatment, but nobody they wanted me to talk to. Mm -hmm. And so, so I kept thinking, well, who's my Roger Bannister? And then I finally realized I'm Roger Bannister. I'm the Roger Bannister of recurrent melanoma. If somebody else gets it, they get to talk to me because I'm the one that's survived it. I'm the one that's thriving with it and, and living a bigger life than pretty much anybody I know. And, um, so, so yeah, I just decided that I was, and still am the Roger Bannister of recurrent melanoma. Well, that's, that's powerful thinking. In fact, that's the kind of thinking that prompted me to start the Possibility Action Network and the Possibility Action Network podcast and hashtag Possibility Bad because it is possible. I mean, no one can tell you what's not possible. You know what I mean? So right. that's something that a person can declare was possible for themselves. Okay, so now you've told us some about how you work with clients, but I want to spend some time with that and try to get you to tell me more about how you work with clients. You mentioned your website, and I'm going to put that in the description of the write-up about you. And you mentioned a survey that they can complete. But tell us about how you work with clients. So, yeah, like I said before, that first step is for them to go in and fill out the survey so that mm -hmm. I can see for them where, where they're at and what is it, where they're at right now and where do they want to go. And then determine from my perspective, if it's even somebody I can help. Now, when it comes to health issues, I don't, I don't focus on the disease. We, we need to know about it 
and to look at how is this affecting you and how can we look, look at that one situation and put it in a little box and just push it aside and then go on to the bigger, better things. Like, okay, that's where we are, but this is where we want to be. Yeah. And what are we going to do in order to get to where we want to be? So, you know, if you, you're planning a trip somewhere, you, you know where you're going to go and you go and you research things that can be done in that area and figure out what things I want to do while I'm there. What do I want to eat? What restaurants do I want to go to? You maybe post online and ask other people what they did when they were there. And then you make a list of the things that you want to do when you're there and you figure out how you're going to achieve those things. Right. Yeah. A vacation's a lot easier to think about then how am I going to go from a, um, what's that word? The word I'm looking for, it cannot be cured, incurable. Yeah. So you're looking at an incurable disease. Incurable means curable from within. If a doctor says something is incurable, it only means that they do not have the knowledge to help you cure it. Exactly. Yeah. And so when we look at it, it, it is absolutely positively curable from within. Then we one, have hope and two, have a direction to go in and, and then can make the steps in order to start getting some momentum going towards that. Yeah. That's so, really, mm-hmm. You, you can't listen to a doctor who was trained to write prescriptions when there are no prescriptions to help whatever it is that you're dealing with. Yes. And yeah. it's nobody's right to tell me when I'm going to die. I mean, they can tell me, but I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah. So, so again, we, I just have to know where somebody is, where they want to go and what they're willing to do. So if, if I've got somebody like I've got a client who is about a hundred pounds overweight, completely unwilling. And I say unwilling because they've never done it. I want a food chart. Everything that you've eaten from the time you wake from 24 hours. I know that there's people that eat in their sleep. I don't do that. (laughs) But, you know, you got to take inventory if you're getting up at three in the morning and making a whole mess in the kitchen. <laughs> but but what are what are people eating from from morning till night? How much are they drinking? What are they drinking? I, I had a client that had on her food chart that she had eaten fish and a potato. Well, me being completely naive back then thought that she had had the baked fish we had talked about and like a steamed or baked potato. And then somebody else says, in front of her to, well, in front of me says to her, it was great seeing you at Ivers the other night. (laughs) Okay. Which means that she ate French fries and fried fish. So don't come crying to me when you're lying on your food chart and I can't help you figure out what's wrong, why things aren't happening. And so I need the details. I want all of the details. What are, what are people doing for their exercise routines? How many minutes are they doing it? What was the intensity? Did you get your heart rate up or was it, were you sweating at all? You know, and, and where do we want to go? And if, if they're willing to do what I ask them to do, then it's so much easier to get them to the next step. 
But if, if somebody says like, like for me, just, I, I said that I eat those two flour tortillas with half an avocado on each one. If I said that, and then later said, oh shoot, I forgot to tell you, there was sour cream on it. There was cheese on it. Um, there was, uh, bacon and sausage and all these things I don't eat, right? I don't eat dairy, but but that's the kind of thing that clients will forget to tell me. Mm-hmm. But when we've already gone over, because of the health condition you have, dairy is going to increase that inflammation. Don't just don't tell me about the dairy. Write it down so that I know how serious you are. Because mm-hmm. if somebody's yeah. serious about making changes in their life, and I find out later that they're not telling me about the things that they're eating that aren't going to get them to their goals. They're not serious about it. Mm-hmm. And then they don't get to resign the following month because I only take people that are serious. Right. Yeah. Well, that's uh, wow. You know, you know, we, I guess in our culture, we are accustomed to look at what's not possible and to complain about the problem, whatever it is, you know, we, we point to these things as chronic problems that no one can actually change. Oh, real quick though, I was at my, I saw my doctor last week for my annual physical. And he said, you know, you look like you're in pretty good health. I later got my blood work done and things are nearly perfect. But my doctor looked at me and told me I was in my power chair. He said, well, there's nothing we can do about muscular dystrophy, <laughs> you know? And I said, well, I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to get on my bike tomorrow morning and ride for an hour on it because you don't think that I can do that. <laughs> so I just let, let them think what everyone wants to think. So back to what you're saying, though, there are things that we can, that we really can do if you want to be proactive. So I'm, I'm inspired by what, you, by what you're saying. Um, so Susan, what are three things a person can do now, like starting today, to improve their health? three things. So the first thing is, is breathe. There's multiple different breathing techniques that you can do that can change the way your body is responding to things. There's square breathing, which is in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, out for four seconds, hold for four seconds more. And even just doing that for a minute, you've got five of those done can completely alter your anxiety levels. Um, that's, that's one way to do it. There's another breathing technique where you're in for six seconds, hold for one or two, and then out for seven seconds, and then do it again. And that long, slow breathing. So in that six seconds, I'm talking too much to actually do it, So, but do it. Six seconds in, and then seven seconds out, And that slow, long, deep breathing is also going to release, um, it's going to release good, good stuff in your body and also let go of the anxiety that, that you're dealing with. Now, doing it once doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could help a little, but if you're in a moment where things are crazy, doing it for several minutes is going to, is going to change things. And then if you, a long time ago, I had a watch. Oh my goodness. I don't have my watch on. That means I'm not going to get credit when I go back up the stairs again. (laughs) (laughs) I like my credit for all my stairs. So the watch would beep every hour. Drove me absolutely crazy. 
every time I'd hear it, it just was driving me nuts. And then Bob Proctor, I went through his coaching and training program back in 2001. And I had the watch at the time and he's like, set a timer for every hour. And every time you hear it, think of three things that you're grateful for and do your deep breathing. So that's my second one is thinking of three things you're grateful for. And if you can, every time you see the clock on an hour, think of three more things, at least do it every single morning and every single night. So if we're thinking of things that we're grateful for and we're coming up with new ones, like, like, oh my gosh, my skin is so soft right now. Okay, I'm grateful for that. I was going to use the one that I shaved my legs, but I haven't done that in about a month. So they don't feel so smooth. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so that's two things. The third one is move. Get up and move. You mentioned your bike. People need to find things that they can do exercise wise that they enjoy, that they're going to do and do it every single day. It's, it's not this, like, like you said, get on your bike an hour. You don't just do that once a month or the day after you go to a doctor and the doctor doesn't tell you what you want to hear. You do it on a regular basis. And if you can't do it for an hour, do it for 10 minutes, you know, but, but yeah. our bodies need to move. That's right. I, I like to BSU hit that bike before sunup. So and I, you, the talk with you has inspired me to keep to keep going. So what I hear you say is that, you know, we can make improvements in our bodies by eating the right kinds of foods, healthy foods, exercise. And I think with you, I would add a third element, and that is be cognizant of how we use our minds, you know, to show appreciation instead of showing criticism, you know, uh, you know, so that's that's what I hear you hear you say. Right. And, and I think one of the big things that most people don't recognize, which I know I wasn't, is that if I do something that might frustrate me a little bit, like I drop a glass on the floor and break it and it shatters, what do I say out loud when that happens? Or what do I say quietly when it happens? And if I said that to my neighbor's four-year-old child, would they cry and go home and tell mommy and daddy what I said? And if so, I have no business saying that to myself yeah. because my four-year-old is still in my body. Yeah. Yeah. And I need to be treating myself with respect. I need to be treating my four-year-old self with respect. And, and I just feel like the more we are aware of that, the easier it gets and and the better the better off we're going to be because i we we put ourselves down all the time mm -hmm. and and think things like well i can't do that you know and no we, you know what i don't want to do that i want to do this and i can do that yeah, so yeah. focus on your strengths and and be nice to yourself love your four-year-old self yeah i think you know uh, in our society in fact around the world we're sort of emphasizing studies and technologies and you know, history and those kinds of things, but we still don't know much about the spiritual person that we are. And, and I hear that when I talk to you. Uh, last question for you, uh, Susan, are we in a healthcare care crisis worldwide? That is, are we, have we become a society, or maybe, maybe you're telling us that we're changing, whereby going to the, to, to, to the doctor is matching a pill with the disease, and then the question is, who can afford the pill, who can afford the pill? My question, once again, is 
from your standpoint, are we in a healthcare crisis from what a perspective that you see? So most people don't like it when I talk about this kind of stuff. Um, I believe that our medical system is great for critical care. So when I broke my back, if I didn't have that neurosurgeon and that team of people, I might not be walking today. So I absolutely agree with it for that on board hundred percent. Now, knowing what I knew, what I didn't know then, I'm probably not going to get myself in that kind of a situation because I understand the emotional things behind things and, and that wouldn't happen right now. But when it comes to day to day, month to month, year to year, decade to decade, I don't go to doctors anymore. I, I stopped doing that. My health is my responsibility, not somebody else's. And so for me, I, I look for, okay, I need, my body's giving me clues. So if something's going on, like, like yesterday, a couple of days ago, I had a hard time getting up off the floor and I was like, what in the world is going on? And then I realized, so something we didn't talk about is I swim in the a sea every day and the water yesterday, somebody checked it. It was 43 degrees. Wow. So I was in the 43 degree water for 17 minutes today and 16 minutes yesterday. And, and that's shorter than my, my normal times, because when I'm there by myself, I cut it short by at least five minutes. Cause I know I have to get out. Nobody's going to get me out of the water. So, so I am responsible for that. Nobody else is, but as a result of the cold water, you lose minerals. And, uh, that I just, I, I know that, but I didn't take my minerals for two days in a row. <laughs> and that's why I couldn't get up off the floor. So you have to learn to know your own body. What is it trying to tell me? And what do I do to fix it? Instead of going to the doctor every time you have some kind of a symptom and expecting them to fix it. Right. We're not deficient in pills. Right. Yeah. But, but we are deficient in self-care and self-love. And, and the more you learn to take care of yourself, and I know that has nothing, people are going to think that has nothing to do with your question, but it absolutely does. It does. Take 100% responsibility for yourself and your own well being and treat yourself like a million dollar race, racehorse and, and see where you go. Sounds good. I love it. Well, Susan, I thank you so much for being my guest today. You, have been, you were a great interview, and uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Stephen. I appreciate the opportunity. Okay. Okay, well, you've been listening to the Possibility Action Network podcast. Our guest today has been Susan Story, a.k.a. Wonder Woman. We strive to bring you guests who work to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Until next time. Oh, oh, oh.